right. Here we are back again. Episode seven. Seven, man. Seven. Well into February Lucky now. number seven. There we go. Yeah, we are deep into February now. Two episodes into February, seven episodes in. I'm super excited, man. Yeah. This week we are recording it a couple days early and we'll get into that in a little bit why we're recording it early. Um, as most of you know, we typically record on Sunday nights, although this week we're, we, we're super excited to be welcoming a guest. We'll give them that. Yeah, we have a guest. Yeah, we got a guest. Yeah. Super excited for this guest. Well, if they're listening, then uh, then they have no clue who the guest is. But if they're watching this and we potentially use the video for the entire thing, because this is yeah. also the first time we're, we're video recording our we podcast. Are. Yeah. So if you're watching this, you already know, like you're looking at the guest right now. <laughs> There's yeah. no surprises. No, not at well, all. Unless we just use that one right I mean, there at the beginning. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that just to keep the suspense up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But I'm super excited for this week. I think that we're going to have a super cool conversation with this guy and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So first, before uh, we get to our, our much hyped up guest here, um, much deserved, let's talk about our week, man. Um, this is for everyone that is tuning in for the very first time after that lengthy uh, intro. This is Diary of an Indie Band. Welcome to our podcast. This is the Inside the Minds of Loops. Um, this is a place where we get to show you what makes us tick have some fun in the process. It's an accountability checklist for us. Uh, every single week, we, we make sure we update the diary entries and we give you kind of the ins and outs of what it takes to make it as an indie band in Canada in 2022 in British Columbia. Absolutely. So I am Kevin Roy. You are? I'm John. John, no last name. Like <laughs> That's it, right? He's now transitioned from John Fennell to Adele. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's okay. Superstar status, man. If you can go I mean, by just first name, first name only, Kobe, LeBron, Prince, Prince, yeah. I'm mentioned athletes. <laughs> I know, right? Ronaldo. Like, yeah, exactly, right? Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just, yeah. it's just, it's a teaser. It's a little tease. It's yeah. a little teaser. It's a guy. The guest is a guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, this past week, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter week in our review here because obviously we recorded on Sunday. Today is Friday. Yeah. We'll be releasing this episode, I believe, on Valentine's Day this upcoming Monday. Yeah, Monday, like always, you should have it Monday morning. You yeah. listen to this. But you know what? Even in those four or five days that it's been since Sunday, it's been a really, really good week. Getting lots and lots done. Um, we put up our, our posts about the album release party. Those yes. tickets are on sale now. I think that we've sold about 20 tickets so far of the 50 that are available. Yeah, so... Fingers crossed. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, we're stressing out over this, but this is one of those best of worst, best of a worst case scenario kind of situations. Like it's mm -hmm. like, okay, we're, we're excited that we're going to definitely sell out, but we want more than 50 people at the show ideally. So fingers crossed that um, Bonnie Henry ends up adjusting things a little bit. Alberta, I guess, just lifted their and vaccine mandate. So yeah. um, like the, the passports at least. So and yeah, in Saskatchewan as well. So mm -hmm. fingers crossed that uh, before the show um, it comes on the 25th, so we got what, almost just under two weeks. Two weeks so from, over two weeks. Two weeks from today, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. From today. But yeah. when you're listening to it, it'll be just under two weeks. And um, the fact that we've already sold almost half the tickets is awesome. But if you are thinking of coming, um, if you and, and more importantly, even then, I'll, I'll speak to the people that are listening to this podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, you're, ardent, you're an ardent supporter of Loops or Jeremy Nisha or both. Um, I just gave away who are. I mean, you didn't have to. Who the person is. That's what, no, we've already mentioned Jeremy's going to be opening for us. We did. I? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So everyone anyway. knows Jeremy's, Jeremy's opening for us on the Friday. So if you're a supporter of Jeremy Nisha, who's opening for us, or you're a supporter of Loops or both, then um, yeah, you need to uh, you need to get those tickets fast because... 
there's only 50 and people are already snagging that's, them. That's we the don't want people thing, to yeah. say, hey, like, I wish I was, I wish I got my tickets in time and they show up at the door. Showing up at the door, I don't think is going to be an option, unfortunately, for no, the show. Unless, exactly. like I said, unless they, they end up expanding it and it goes to 100. Mm-hmm. So, fingers crossed that it's not just 50% capacity. Um, get them in quick. I mean, hey, if there's enough demand for it and it still stays at 50, but they sell out really, really fast and people still want tickets, maybe we get a second show. We'll figure that out on the fly. But Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even beyond that this week, I mean, we've had a lot of good conversations planning our upcoming tour. So we're going to be we, we decided on our tour. It's called the Coast to Coast Tour, where we're going to be playing mm-hmm. shows this upcoming summer. So um, April and May will be in B.C. and Alberta. And then come August, we're going to be doing an Eastern Canada tour. I guess I guess we're also going to be in Manitoba. Yeah, I was I was, I was going to yeah. let you finish what you're going to say, and then I was going to kind of interject that just so everyone's clear, like it, the the Western Canada leg is going to yeah. be in that BC Alberta. So that's, that's going to be all the, like minute- the majority of it, but we will also be able to get as far as Winnipeg. And obviously, these things are fluid, and um, this is a big part of the show and what we we hold a lot of pride in is that we're very candid, we're very vulnerable. You know, we're like this is a diary entry of us. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes you say things in diaries or journals. And you look back on it later and you're, you're embarrassed because you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I was thinking that even at the time. That mm-hmm. changed so much. But there's a certain level of charm to that. And and like like I've said many times, accountability and, and holding ourselves to certain things, but also realizing that things are fluid and things change. So um, as of right now, the game plan is go from BC, make our way all the way to John's hometown of Winnipeg, yep. um, and then turn around and head all the way back. There's yep. enough of a gap between Winnipeg and pretty much the next major stop of Thunder Bay in, in Ontario that mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense to incorporate them together. Yeah. Um, and that's why we kind of broke up this coast to coast tour. Um, so that way it's, it's Western Canada is like one and then Ontario is like two, which is my stomping grounds and you have family there as well. So exactly. We'll give you guys a lot more information on that, but the, the seeds have already been planted this last week. So that's another good thing from this week is that we're starting to kind of For already sure. plant the seeds and get contacts in place to actually do those shows. Yeah. Um, Ideally, um, we'll reach out to, you know, friends and, and colleagues of ours to help us um, play some of those dates, even if they're if they're big enough draws. Yeah. Um, even just if people can make, you know, a week of the three week tour or whatever, and they can come part way and then they go back home and then we yep. finish out the rest by ourselves or whatever. Um, if you are one of our friends, colleagues, feel free to let us know if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's something that's definitely on deck as well. Absolutely. Um, myself, yeah. A big thing that I was also working on this week was you were saying we got um, the poster and we got the the event set up for the actual album release party with Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Um, a big thing that I was working on this week again was just posters for all the events we have coming up. Yeah. Which, We've, by the way, if you want to know where those are, check out our website, officialloops.com. All of our dates are posted on there and you can find the event pages on Facebook. You can find ticket links for the album release party and whatever else. Absolutely. And um, yeah, that's a big thing we were working on too. Actually, I'm glad you said that is we're always fine tuning the webpage. If you've been following all six uh, episodes prior to this, you would see even the evolution of things we've talked about where we're working on the webpage and trying to make it better and better and more and more professional. And we just want to represent us where we are now but also the best case version of us so we're getting everyone seeing the best version of loop so they realize what what they're capable of you know purchasing on shows if if they want to help out get the album out there anything right radio play all that stuff we want to make sure that they're getting the best version we're putting our best foot forward and that's a constant evolving thing it's we, we didn't just 
hit the ball out of the park, you know, the very first uh, swing. Obviously, we, we've we evolved that webpage. It's come a really far away since we started it up last June. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of where it's at now. So if you haven't checked it out yet, add it, make it a, you know, on, onto your bookmark page, um, go and, uh, you know, give it a, give it a peruse. And the events page is a big thing that we worked on this week. I made posters for a half dozen shows um, just over the next, you know, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, they should all be updated on this. By the time anyone's listening to this, they'll be on there. And the event page has gone from just a list of shows to a nice fluid thing where you have the poster, a little caption, a little synopsis of kind of what you can expect from that venue. If there is a show like the 25th at the FE, um, you can click on a link and you can go buy tickets directly from the actual webpage. So we're trying to make it as user-friendly as we can, yeah. but that takes work and takes time. And you Absolutely. know firsthand, I mean, we both wear lots of hats in the Loops band. Um, we I've said this many times in here, and if you are a band and you're trying to navigate the waters like we are, one of the best pieces of advice I could give is just don't be afraid to delegate roles to people that are their strengths. Don't just give someone a role for the sake of doing it and they're just going to get stressed out. It's just going to cause, and that was a big thing we did early on. We were just, we divided up roles, but we mm-hmm. didn't figure out what would, what would be something that John's really good at or John would enjoy. Mm-hmm. What would Kevin be good at enjoy? And if, neither of us are good at something, we'll, we'll tag team it together. Yeah. Right. But we, we didn't do that at the beginning and it caused a lot of stress and stuff just wasn't productive. Yeah. Now we're good at the things that we do. We enjoy them. They're challenges. I love making the posters. I think I do a pretty good job on them. I think they're pretty cool and unique mm-hmm. and it's something that's fun. And even though it takes a lot of time, I like the result that that comes out of it. So, and you like you, you take the lead when it comes to booking. I'm, I take the lead when it comes to calling places. Like we found our lanes and yeah. we're very comfortable in them, but it's it's a, it's the difference between working hard and working smart. And we worked really, really hard at the beginning. We weren't always working smart. We weren't being efficient right. in yeah. our efforts. That's been one of our biggest mottos this upcoming year. And actually you touch on two things that I want to mention before we move on to our next thing. Um, one of them is also you can find... If you don't know where to find our podcast, you can find it on our website. We've got a page dedicated for that. That's you can new find as well. All yeah. the information directly on our website. And then the second thing is also we've got upcoming merchandise, special edition merchandise this upcoming week. That's right. Yeah. We had a meeting on Monday. Yeah. So we're super excited for that. Um, when they come in, we'll probably put up a big post about it yes. and uh, whatever else, and we'll chat about it later on. Um, but they're they're gonna be, we'll we'll let them know a little bit. I think we might have mentioned this last episode. My memory's a little foggy on if we actually mentioned it or not. But if we did, that's okay. This is just a recap. If we didn't mention it yet, this is fresh. But it's gonna be a special album release t-shirt that's going to be part of a merch package that you can get like a swag bag that will include the album it will include um a face mask because it's during the quarantine so it's fitting Mm -hmm. and uh it will have the shirt i don't even mind describing the shirt that's okay it will entice people to be excited about it it's going to have the album cover on the front on the back it's going to have a list of the actual songs from the album so it's like you're looking at the album front and back and then it's also going to have um loop's debut album February 25th, 2022. Now, the cool thing about these shirts, the reason why it's important for us to tell this early is that they're going to be numbered out of 50. So it's just a limited run. There's only going to be 50 made and each one's going to have its own individual number. So for if you're a collector like myself, I love collecting sports cards. It's been a fun thing I've done with Sebastian um, this year. I started doing it in the summertime and we both really enjoyed it. When things are numbered and they're limited edition, they're one of 50 or whatever. Mm-hmm. They always a little bit more value to that. And even just sentimentally, you know, I'm being a big sports fan. Number 10 is my number. Like that's my, my go-to. So I've already claimed the number 10 shirt. I yeah. bought it myself out of my money. You, you bought out of your money, the 13. Yeah. I think that we've got about six or seven different shirts yeah, that, that are already, already allocated. Claimed. And that's why I wanted to mention it. Um, Alina yeah. already claimed 14. So 
if, if there is a certain number you want, you're like, you know what, I'm going to buy the shirt anyways. And I want the let specific us, number. Yeah, let us know early. Um, we will put it aside. Um, it's the same rule we're kind of applying to when we do covers at a show. Mm-hmm. Um, all we say is just splash something in the tip jar. It literally could be five a nickel. It could be mm-hmm. 20 bucks. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just the principle of it. So if you want it early, cool. You can claim your number. All you got to do is splash something in the tip jars. And then um, basically we will put it aside. We'll make sure that... And if the reason why you want to do it early is if say number 41 is your favorite number. And you're like, I'm going to buy a shirt regardless that night. I want number 41. Well, you might get there and we don't know that 41 is going to be someone that wears an XL or mm-hmm. someone that wears a small. So we have a certain amount of each size of shirt we're going to be ordering to make sure there's enough for the supply and demand. So we're 41 is just going to be a random size unless somebody actually claims it as their own. So mm-hmm. I don't know it yet. I should know it um, by next podcast at the latest, but I might know it earlier. Um, and depending on when that date is, there's going to be a specific cutoff date. Uh, when we have to have all the actual specific sizes designated for for what number of the 50 they're going to be. Yeah. So I've already contacted um, our our merch person um, mm-hmm. at All About Imprint, who we, we love and we hype up all the time. And Kyla Marshall is our merch girl and she's our she's part of her team. And um, I've already mentioned to her, hey, give us a cutoff so that way we can get these numbers in. So if uh, you are watching this or listening to this, please let us know early as you can and uh, get your number claimed. And if not, uh, yeah, you know, just whatever. If you need an XL, there'll be probably six different options of numbers and you just get whatever one you get. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I think that that's a cool way to tie into our, ne- our new music segment, as in we're going to be talking about our guest. Yes. So you mentioned it before, but our guest this week, which we haven't done a guest yet, and we intentionally haven't been doing guests because we want to make sure that we know what we're doing before we incorporate somebody else into this podcast. Well, and truthfully, we're also not professional podcasters. We're doing this for John and Kevin. So yeah. we're doing this very selfishly. We haven't we haven't apologized for that. Um, we're owning it. This is for us to get better at our craft, to be accountable, um, to do a living, breathing podcast diary. And absolutely, these entries are for us, and we're so happy to share them with everybody that's listening. And we've had incredible feedback, like way better than we ever anticipated. We've said it so many times. If it was like my mom and my dad and your mom and your yeah, dad exactly. and Alina and, you yeah. know, Sebastian, and like if it was just important people in our lives that were listening to it and that's it, we would have been perfectly content with that. Absolutely. We've had a bunch more people. Again, shout out to our Belgian followers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, listening yeah. in Belgium. Um, consistently. Consistently listening consistently in Belgium. Listening. We don't know who you are. So email Message us. us. DIB at officialloops.com. We want to hear your story. Give us a top five. How do you guys find five. us? Yeah. That's Let us know. I'm stoked because day two, they were already Belgium was like on the RSS. It's one of the biggest, yeah, the biggest uh, Love, it. Love Belgium. We, we got to play Belgium. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, but we were good regardless. But we also recognize that like we're not we didn't go to, you know, journalism school. We're not mm-hmm. professional interviewers. We're not going to try to, you know, have a pretense of we're going to interview a bunch of people and, you know, be great at this right out of the right out of the shoot. We're not. Of course. So, we thought what's a way to incorporate some of the people that we care about, that we support, that we really want to help elevate. And and like I've said so many times, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. So, if we can help out the people around us and sometimes, you know, it's more of a help to us than it is to them, but let's work together. Um, let's share some stories of the people that we really care about and get their story out there. Even if it's just to our followers that maybe don't know they exist. That's mm-hmm. why we do the new music. Um, like you of said, course. it ties together perfectly with our guest. And that's why we wanted to make sure when we do a guest, 
it's something meaningful. We're not doing a guest every single week just for the sake of a guest. Mm-hmm. We're not doing an interview because we're great at interviews because we never interviewed anyone before. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to see how it goes. Um, but we wanted to occasionally, if, if it's warranted, make a special diary entry for this person. So this week, is a very, it's the first diary entry of someone that's not loops. This is officially episode seven is the diary entry journal entry of Jeremy Nisha. We're super excited to have you here, Jeremy. Thank you. Yes, I'm honored to be the first guinea pig uh, guest. On, the experiment, on the man. Podcast. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah. So, we're super excited. I mean, you're you're born and raised here in Kamloops. Am I right about that? You're right. Okay, yeah. great. So my research thus far is correct. Yeah, um, tracking me down. You yeah. are a singer, a songwriter, guitarist, pianist, Pro- producer, drummer accordion player i saw in your on your bio you've got so many different hats that you wear for your producer man he has his own studio yes he yeah yeah, owns and records multiple artists and other other kind of things within his studio super super cool i'm flattered that you you agreed to join us not only for this but also for our album release party which comes on february 25th definitely yes well i'm honored to be involved i uh i think that my role as a musician in our community is just to try to help people make music, you know, and like you said it best yourself, Kevin, you know, the rising tide lifts all ships and, you know, we need some lifting. And I think anybody who's crazy enough to still be in the music scene after two years of COVID are the ones that really believe in it. Absolutely. Really really think that it's worth putting the work in, you know, and, and you guys are working hard. You guys have a lot of, a lot of things you're doing. You have creative merch, you've got good shows, you've got good connections. Um, great studio album that you're you're pumping and if, if i can help that at all if i can be a part of that and you know get camps on the map as far as a town that is a legitimate place with good music yeah yeah yeah. then you know that's my purpose here you know that's what i believe so sweet well we appreciate it man and we're we're believe me as much as um you're you know putting some praise on us we're bigger fans of you even i mean i think you're awesome yeah. and i've said it so many times i mean it's important like you like you illustrated where i say it all the time about the rising tide and i just think at the end of the day like this is a this is a grind man it's a it's a tough gig it's we all got into it because it's fun and we're you know i've always joked i i I said it recently on another interview that we had um with lee's music when we did that that whole Mm -hmm, segment mm -hmm. i mean in a certain way in a charming way like musicians are the most motivated people i've ever met and in some ways, most musicians I've met are also lazy as well. And we all got into this because we just want to do something fun. We don't want to go and, you know, work these hard jobs, manual labor and all that. We want to just have fun and entertain and be social and and, and do what we love doing. So there's an inherent dichotomy of it being laziness that's also completely wrapped in, in ambition and, and motivation and drive. And... I absolutely love that. I think sometimes it's like that Jacqueline and Hyde that we we either get too much on the motivation side that that musicians as a whole in a community can be focused on what they're doing and forgetting that there's other people that could use or gain from their assistance. Um, and then sometimes I think it's that laziness or that that lack of wanting to kind of conform and, and fall into like that pattern. Um, and I say laziness, it sounds like such an ugly word. I don't mean it in that regard. Yeah, 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 hopefully it's coming across properly. Yep. But um, I, I think that can hurt as well too, right? It's that sometimes it's that fear to kind of work and realize that, hey, if I put effort into somebody else, yes, that's taking away from time that I can be putting effort into myself. But on the whole, that's actually benefiting me as well as that other person more in in the grand scheme of things. So I, I want to give you just that much more praise that 
since I've since I've come across musicians in this town, and a lot of people know my story that before Loops, you know, I was playing in different cover bands, and I was the karaoke cop and all that stuff. So it's not like this is fresh to me. Like I've been in the music scene in Kamloops since I first got here in two thousand and nine. Honestly, man, like without a, without a shadow of a lie, like you are the biggest team player that I've come across in this region. And I think that's the coolest thing. And you have my utmost respect for that. So thanks so much for joining again, our platform and, and joining our podcast. Cause it's, it's an honor for us. For sure. It's an honor for me as well. Thanks guys. So now that we got the, uh, the glowing praise out of the way, let's, uh, let's just be, you know, chill. And, um, yeah, we're going to talk about new music, I guess, first. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to keep going on. I'm so glad that you're here. Right. <laughs> um, you're going to keep making me blush. The yeah, whole time. exactly. Right. That's, that's my goal at the end of this podcast. <laughs> See how ready you can get. Um, but we're going to be talking about your music because this week on new music, we're going to be talking about specifically Jeremy Nishaw and about his songs that Kevin and I both picked. We both picked one of your songs. Yeah. And then we are going to tell you why we picked those songs. And then we want to hear a backstory on why these songs came to light. It's something different that we haven't done before. I mean, we've done it for our own songs because we know those. Yeah, we told the story of Parachute. We told the story of Checking Out. Absolutely. But the other songs that we've submitted, and and Jeremy, you you were telling us, you listen to the podcast, you're familiar with the episodes and our format. So... Um, anyone that's listening, if this is your first time jumping in and you haven't listened to the other six, um, go listen to them right after this. And uh, it, just to give a little context, like the big benefit of this is of of this segment is this is our kind of thank you to everybody else. And this is if we could be on someone's podcast, we said it so many times, we'd be so flattered and humbled, and we would appreciate it. Even if two listeners listen to it, just for somebody else to pick us, pick one of our songs as their song, and tell a little story. But at the end of the day. As much as we're doing our absolute best, we try to build a connection with the artists that we pick each week. And we always try to pick like an indie artist or someone that could use a little bit of extra exposure. We don't really know the backstory. We don't know the context of the song. We Not only know all. what they've presented or well, maybe we don't even know us. the artist, right? We don't yeah. even know where they're coming from. I mean, we've known a couple, you know, Pete, like yeah. I knew, you know, Chris Niles, but other than that, like they've been artists we've never even met. Right. And yeah. that's awesome. And that's part of the charm of what we're doing. But everything but, that we find out about them is what we find through their website or their exactly, Instagram page. Or maybe that's, a short chat on a messenger. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is really cool for us to be able to actually get a little behind the scenes, like like get a little, you know, VH1 well, we know, talk behind about the scenes music, right? Inside the mind of loops. We want to hear about the inside the mind of Jeremy Nisha. That's going to be the whole point of this app. Yeah, we're going to we're going to we're going to break it apart. We're gonna, this is going to be like a therapy session by the end. He's just weeping in my arms. It's OK, buddy. It's OK. John made you read it. It's OK. We got the therapy dog. We got a therapy dog. We got Jake, our official mascot, right on his lap. If you hear him in the background. So, yeah, this is Like I said many times, this is going to be Jeremy's diary entry. Um, loops are just kind of featured in it. Yeah. If you're reading this like a book, I mean, this is the Jeremy page. So um, we're going to we're going to dive right into these songs. Um, Jeremy's also we also asked him to provide us a song as well as always tradition we always bring forward a new music entry Um, so we've asked Jeremy to bring forward one of his songs as well and that way he can pick which one he wants to talk about too yeah so we're gonna have three songs we're gonna play we're gonna discuss and um, you're gonna get a little behind the scenes from Mr. Nisha himself so we're pretty excited about this John you want to go first absolutely so I'm gonna get into it the the song that I picked for my Jeremy Nisha entry is wasting my time Oh, thank you. Which is um, off of the Jeremy Nisha album, Volume 2, Two which yeah. came out in 2019, I believe. Yes. So before we start moving forward and talking about why we picked mm-hmm. the song, we're going to play a little bit of a clip right here. Yeah, we'll sure. play it first. All right. Sure. 
It's quarter to twelve and I've wasted another long day It's halfway through August and business is slow And my summer is drifting away I wish I knew how to ditch this old town And to go write the legend of me don't know why I try and I try to see Cause I'm going on down with a fight I got this feeling that something ain't right As I wait for you to tell me I can't tonight That was so good. I like it, man. Yeah, oh, I like you. it a lot. That's probably the favorite, my favorite one that I heard um, of all of your stuff. And I think that there's like a couple different reasons why. And I mean, I could get into like the instrumental reasons why I like it. And I can get into, you know, the story and the lyrics behind it and that kind of stuff as well. And then I think that one of the biggest things is the emotion of the song is something that we talk about like over and over on our podcast, of course. Absolutely. Um but that really swallows me up when I listen to it because I, I made sure that I was listening to it like properly in like proper headphones yeah. and like just get lost in the album, right? So I was stoked when I heard that. And I'm pretty sure that's like the last song on the album. Yeah. Am I correct with that one? Yeah, it is. I'm like, dude. A strong me, way to end. Yeah, exactly. For me, that's like, like I mean, it's not a banger, but it's like, you know, it's it's up there with that like emotional swallow up and it's such a nice way to close it's actually it funny because you say a lot like that even with some of our songs if they catch you on the album you're like oh this feels that feels like a movie soundtrack song like mm-hmm. that song to me feels like a movie soundtrack song mm-hmm. like that could be in like the climax scene you know of of you know the emotional heart of the film and and that's kind of playing over almost like a borderline montage like that's just where it takes me when i'm listening to it and and I mean, that's the highest praise I think you can give, right, at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so we want to hear the story behind the song. Like, where did it come from? Definitely, yeah. I think songs are such an interesting amalgamation of different things. I mean, that lick, I had it's uh, an A2 to a D2. So mm-hmm. you just pull the whatever your bottom finger is off the chord, and you just back and forth between those two. Um, and I came up with that, man. I was like... I don't know, 16 or something. Yeah. It's mostly at uh, figuring out if, I, if the guitar was in tune. Uh, if that lick sounds nice. good, then I know the guitar is in tune, right? So um, I was struggling with uh, with that idea. I mean, the first the first verse talks about how, um, you know, sort of the, the dichotomy that you were talking about, Kevin, about how, you know, this battle between being passionate and really wanting to see success in your career and having to deal with the fact that, you know, it's viewed as laziness or it's viewed as, you know, not wanting to conform to. And, uh, and it was tough. I mean, I, 
my way of being brought up was not one that suggested that doing music full time was a good idea. Uh, wasn't, you know, feasible. I hear you. Um, you know, get a job, you know, what are you doing? Get a, mm-hmm. get a haircut and get a job. Like, yeah. you know, you need to build a life for yourself. So you're not time to grow up. Yeah, like, exactly. That's just a dream. Like, come on. And yeah. And then, and so I was doing that and I mean, it was, it was halfway through August and business was slow. And I was like, you know, it, as a gigging musician, you're like, man, that, that means September's coming up. That means winter's coming up. That means, yeah. you know, we're on the back half of the summer already. And if I don't have things booked, you know, and so you're, you're struggling with that. And I remember just like, uh, I was at my mom's house, just looking out of the river and it was the middle of the night and I was playing my guitar and uh, yeah, the song just kind of, kind of fell together and I was always really torn about it because it's just a note or two above where I'm comfortable singing. Right. (laughs) And you know, I didn't want to detune the guitar because you can do that. Of course. Yeah. But it's all about those big open strummy chords. Right. So I was like, "Eh." so I sang it and I've always wanted to like have a really powerful, like Alicia Keys style singer sing it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think the emotion comes through, right? And and even though it's, I'm not super comfortable with my vocal performance, the emotion behind the song really came out in that. And that was what I was kind of hoping for because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be the best singer. I'm trying to play something that somebody can empathize with. Somebody can, you know, I, there's a feeling in the music that brings a feeling out of you. Right? Well, right. I, can, I can relate with that actually, because in, in the process of us making some different songs, there's been times where, I felt as the lead singer, I'm like, I. this is recently even as we were coming up with a couple where I'm like, ah, I don't feel that, I'm kind of just pushing myself at that one. If we drop it down, even just throw that capo down, you know, mm-hmm. one fret, yeah. then it would be easier and I could just power through this. And we go through it and how many times have it been like, yeah, it just doesn't feel the same though. The same. And I'm, right. I'm crushing the vocals. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, I could do this 10 times in a row at a show. Like this is easy vocals now and I'm, yeah. it's the best vocal performance. But now I've lost the emotion that's coming out just from where that sweet spot. Exactly. It's like kind of like when you're adjusting, you know, the focus on like, you know, binoculars or something. And it's like, you're almost there. Oh, this is the sweet spot. Yeah. And and it starts, it honestly, like as much as I love vocals and being the vocalist, I always take that to heart. It, it does. It starts with the music. It starts with the melody. It starts with just, it has to capture you and pull you in. And I think you would have lost the emotional resonance if you mm. did drop that down, to be honest. So that's, that's so cool that you were, you were dialed in on that. That's a good sign of like where you were maturely as an artist at that point. Yeah. Cause maybe years earlier, I know you'd made your first album 2015. Yeah. Right? Well, and you were 19 at the time or something like that. Yeah. So the first album came out, um, yeah, 2015 and I was, yeah, just, just turned 19, but I had started recording that album when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I started recording this next one almost immediately after, but it didn't get released until 2019. So there was a few years in there where the songs were half finished and most of it was written. It was just kind of finding time there. to get into the studio, exactly. you know, you know, yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah. um, and so, yeah, I mean, as yeah, definitely that song came out of me when I, yeah, probably about 18 or 19, I think, uh, when I wrote it. And yeah, I, I kind of believe like, you know, songs aren't always supposed to be easy for you oh, to sing, absolutely. you know, and, then, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's part of the performance is the challenge that it is as a performer to perform it. Right. Because yeah. I think that's, you know, I think that's what people connect with. People, people want to feel something, right? It's, it's not, of course that people don't want to just be blasted with the best musicians music in the world. They yeah. want to feel something. That's what the point of music is. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. And I, yeah, I think that that song captured that 
better than I could have hoped for. Oh yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So yeah. listening to the song back, is there anything that you think like taking away from that, that like you might've not realized before, like in that moment, or is there anything that you wish you might've like done a little bit differently now that we're talking about it? Do you wish you did it like a half step down or something like that and detuned it? <laughs> uh, you know, I've thought a lot about that over the years, especially for my first album. Cause I feel like musically I'm, you know, 10 times the musician I was when I was recording the first ones mm -hmm. and like, and, and not just like being good, but like learning technicalities and things like learning how to make the noises that I want, you know, getting an organ to sound the way I want an organ to sound those, those kinds of things. And it just took mm -hmm. years of practice. Um, but kind of the same way that you guys are doing with this podcast, uh, I think it's nice to have a record of where you were at the time. Absolutely. Right? And like, mm -hmm. you know, as, as you know, there's a few spots, like, I mean, there's mistakes. And, and of course, because I recorded all the instruments and vocals myself, like it's not like recording a band off the floor, you're double tracking everything. Right. And so yeah. sometimes you're recording a guitar part, not knowing what the lead part is going to sound like until after it's recorded. And so, yeah. you know, you're kind of working backwards a lot of the time. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's moments in, in any of my albums where I'm like, oh, you know, I could have done that better. Or maybe, you know, a different key would have been better for my voice or, you know, this was out of tune or whatever. But also part of me says like, that was where I was at the time, yeah. you know, that's, it's, and it's fun to listen back to it and be like, oh yeah, like oh, that's, you know, I thought that was the coolest thing when I was in the studio or whatever. Right, right? Yeah. It's like going through a photo album and looking at how you've evolved over the years yeah. and changed physically, right? Like this is a, a reflection of how you've evolved and, and matured as an artist. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Which is, that's the charm to it. Absolutely. So that being said, I want to get into the next song here, which is one of Kev's songs that he picked. So I want Kev to kind of give us a little bit of uh, set up into it. Absolutely. So, I had a song ready to go, and as we were prepping for the- At like 9 a.m. this morning. 9 a.m. this morning, <laughs> um, I was told uh, what Jeremy's song was gonna be, and I was like, oh, that's my song. <laughs> so I'm really excited to get your background on that. So I get a two for one, by okay. the way. So now I get the explanation do, yeah. on the song I picked, because that's the one I know, I'm not gonna say it yet, but I know the one you're picking. Okay, yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely endorse your choice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I went back and I'm like, okay, I had a couple others I was thinking as well. Um, and then I listened this morning, um, I listened again just through volume three, cause I just, I felt a connection with that, with that album. I just, it was really standing out to me. Um, and maybe, maybe it is as a, to be honest, to be, cause we, we like to be really candid and, 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 uh, and open and vulnerable on this, on this podcast. Personally, like I, I always love the the instrumentals, but I'm a vocalist, right? As we all know. So it's going on what you said, you know, your your vocals have improved significantly since your early albums. Thank you. Yeah. So I think you can understand like it's I don't think it's a surprise that volume three for me is your strongest vocal performance. So that's the one that even if it's just subconsciously, maybe I'm getting drawn more to those songs because I'm like, yeah. whereas the instrumental, like a lifetime of doing music, it's no different than John, right? Like John's instrumentals were always strong right from day one. Your vocals have just leaps and bounds over the years gotten better and better. So you could go and if you were just listening to instrumentals, a John Fennell song from early days still stands up with something you make today because mm -hmm. the, the roots and the foundation was put there with years and years of classical training and et cetera, et cetera. That's where you guys kind of share a bond. Um, we're vocally, it's, it's just upgraded so much. So the one that I picked was Break My Heart. Nice. Cool. I loved it. Um, I will talk about it, but let's uh, listen to it first. All right.
Dude, that's cool. I don't like it. Like, I love that song. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, right? So I'm going to say something that I haven't ever said before, ever, in the history of loops. Whoa. Uh, yeah, oh well, yeah, legitimately. Um, by all means, I'm not trying to put Jeremy on the spot. This is just my thought and feelings on this. But, man, I would love, love, love to cover that song. Like, mm. and give it respect and, and obviously the honor it deserves. But that's the first time I've found a peer that, and I've had some, some great, musicians we've come across and we're friends with and we love their song but i'm always just like that's them and they're they're in their lane and loops are in such a unique different lane that like it, it doesn't nothing even feels transparent that i could kind of cover it over to us um but i mean i think that's part of the charm of us too right and that's why we've all become kind of fast friends is because we kind of our lanes are kind of very similar and um yeah that's something that if uh if you ever were comfortable with it enough obviously it's i'm sure it's a vulnerable song obviously but Man, it's such a cool song, dude. I love it. As we were listening to it, I'm kind of harmonizing. Like, I can't yeah. hear it without harmonizing to it. Yeah. I love the... Nah. Like, oh, man, the, the falsetto is so cool. And, like, <laughs> it's a great song, dude. And I relate with it. Like, I felt so connected to the lyrics of the song. And I yeah. just felt like, I don't care. You're amazing. I'm, I'm, I know that this is going to end shitty, I guess. But whatever, man. You're right. just going to have to do it. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the juice is worth the squeeze. Like, it's yeah. worth it. Thank so you. one of the Thank things you. as well is... I, I'm pretty sure I read it somewhere. Either on your bio or your website or Facebook or something like that. But, like, you categorize yourself as, like, a, as like a fusion kind of, like, musician with jazz and funk maybe there were like three different ones and yeah. i'm pretty sure if i'm correct that there was an award that you won yes out in the states whoa tell us about that uh yeah 2016 um the academia uh forward funk fusion award i think it was called for, yeah that's a new song of 2016 uh, right. that was uh, yeah from my first album it was a song called uh, summer love nice that they won that one yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I'd be honored to do that. I, you know, and to me, I think all of my recorded music that is available is really only ever a jumping off point for live performance. Yes. I, I think that live performance is really where it's at. And like, I have, you know, my band, when we play this song, like, I would so much rather someone come out to the show and, and experience that song in a live capacity, yeah. right? Because it's fun and it's groovy and it's sort of flowy and like, you know, I like the recording of it. It's awesome. Like I'm happy with the recording, but I always think that the recording should only ever be, you know, an avenue firstly for my band guys to learn the parts. And yeah. secondly, mm -hmm. like, so people can hear it and be like, Oh, I'd love to see this guy live or I'd love to see loops cover this song or I'd yeah, love yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. Songs. My songs aren't mine. I was able to pen them and able to get them recorded, but they're not my 
art. They're the world's art, right? That's why they're online. That's why people can listen to them. People can hear them. People can empathize with them and hopefully people can cover them. It's a very cool way of looking at it, I would say. That's actually amazing that you yeah. say that. Have you, um, have you ever heard, so my dad actually gave me this big, long speech about this about two years ago um, when we got in like a little groove in early 2020 when we were just like rhyming off songs after song. We were really, really thriving. And I was like, sometimes I feel like I'm almost, I'm not writing them as much as they're kind of flowing through me. And he was like, yeah, he's like, mm -hmm. that's what inspiration means. And if, I don't know if you were aware even, but the word inspiration, actually the core of the word and where it comes from is the spirit within. Mm. So it's basically there's, it's, it's almost like a inspiration is that the spirit in the universe is kind of speaking through you and you're just a conduit to it. Definitely. So it's so cool you say that because it's like, Sometimes I've been like, yeah, I don't know if I just feel like that song, I could hear it in my head, clear as day. And I said that on the Chris Niles episode and mm -hmm. he wrote back to me, he's like, welcome to the club. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've leveled up as a writer. If, yeah. if you're at that point where you're, you're just, you feel like the song's already half written when you're just getting it out. Mm -hmm. He's like, you've just, you're just that much more in tune with yourself and as a writer, but you're just kind of connecting with something bigger than all of us. Oh, exactly. So it's like whether John Lennon wrote a, a you know, Imagine, you know, Freddie's writing Fat Bottom Girls, like yeah. it, whatever it is, um, you know, Adele, you know, is, is writing somebody like you, like whatever that song is, right? Or you're writing Break Your Heart. It, it's, 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 it's basically, it's, it's just a conduit to, to get that song out there for everybody. Hmm. To, I said, break your heart, break my heart. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> what a guy. I realized that as I was saying it, but I didn't want to correct myself and well, miss okay. my point. But yeah, it's, you're just a conduit for the universe to basically experience that song. People needed to hear that song in that time and that moment. Um, and case in point, like it really rattled me, man. I was like, this is such a freaking awesome, <laughs> cool freaking song, man. Yeah. I really, really like it a that's lot. That's amazing. That's amazing. And yeah. that's, that's the point. It, Thanks that's for writing it, man. Like legit. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, and that it changed my life as a musician coming to that realization is musicians don't create music. They just translate music. Music exists all around us. We just, the sharper we get, the more practiced we are, the better we are at being able to translate it and conduit that right and mm -hmm. tap into that and then share it with the crowd or share it with the studio or share yeah, it with our friends yeah. on a podcast whatever it is right yeah exactly it's it's a spiritual connection and and a lot of musicians don't realize that off the bat right they think music comes from writing or or, or yes. notes on a page right and, yeah. and, and music yeah, yeah, comes yeah. from somewhere else i don't know where like don't ask me where i just all i know yeah. is the, the sharper you get the more confident you are with your pieces the easier it is for that that yes. energy to come through you, you so know? it's kind of funny because i saw there's an app and it keeps popping up all the time on my facebook and i don't i can't tell you how many times i've hit hide this app or i'm not interested in, or yeah. like in this in this ad and uh and it's basically this you guys have probably all seen it people listening have probably already heard or they recognize what i'm talking about but it's like spam and it's this program where enter song topic and then it will spit out a bunch of like verse oh, lyrics yeah. and it oh. does, it basically writes a song for you. And I'm yeah. like, man, could that be any more mechanical? Like, and I feel bad for any, any artist, especially emerging artists that falls for that because yes, everybody has their own process. You and I have talked about this on the podcast, how mm -hmm. our processes are so vastly different when it comes to writing. And with you, you're the Ed Sheeran model of like, I'm going to write 30 songs before I find one that I'm even happy with. Right. Or 300. Right. Or 300. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and everyone has their own process, but I'm actually curious now. So I want to ask, I'll volley this back to you because hmm. this is such a cool conversation. I've, I've wanted to have this combo with other people a lot. Um, do you find that when you hit that point, um, 
it was because you just started to realize you had to let go? Because with me, once I just let go and just trusted that, hey, I'm just going to let this kind of music kind of flow through me, I found it became a little bit easier. I just kind of let go of the fear and the the trepidation of like, oh, what if this doesn't sound as right? Or it's like, no, you just got to let go and let those let those words and that that feeling flow through and it becomes less mechanical at that point yeah i always tell my clients when they're recording nobody ever had a good recording by panicking about having a perfect recording right and when when you're worried about it and you put all this pressure on yourself then you're sort of denying yourself the chance right and and the groove it's not like a faucet that you can turn on and off like i know that you guys can write good songs but i know it's not just a i want to write a song right now like it doesn't happen like that yeah it happens like a butterfly landing on you right or you know a little lap dog sitting on you Mm -hmm. you have to be ready absolutely you you have to be sharp you have to be you know this is the time that i've set aside for this to happen i'm practiced i'm ready for this my parts are good you know the songs are i'm confident on the songs you know and and not like that you have to be the best but just you always put on a better performance if you know what you're doing right if if you're not trying to hack your way through the mud you're up above it right and you and and you can and you can sail and yeah it's just like uh this transcendent sort of yeah you have to let go yeah right you can't force a butterfly to land on your hand by frowning at it and you know being angry at it like it's not gonna you know it just has to happen and and letting go i like that a lot actually yeah yeah Yeah. you you have to be sharp but you also have to let go and that's the big the big balance right artists it's a hard one to figure out you hit on something awesome there too and jay we appreciate this because this is something that as we've talked about a bit and then again this is our candid journal um you know you and alina are moving out april 1st so we we always right yeah oh yeah and uh yeah they're leveling up from the basement to an amazing awesome kick-ass condo and um yeah so while we already have our structured nine to five we always like we're really good at kind of pushing ourselves where we have to have that structured time it's gonna force us even more to do that when we live in separate houses because right now it could literally be 11 30 at night you're like i can't sleep you know, you go upstairs to get a glass of water whatever, and you hear yeah. me up, I'm, you know, playing a video game or something silly or watching a movie. Um, and it just some organically, you're like, man, I got this riff in like, my head. Cool. I can't yeah, sleep. Yeah. And we just have a powwow. That's not going to happen anymore. Mm. Um, and while that's melancholy, like, yeah, that sucks. It also forces us to kind of be like, yeah, these nine to five kind of or whatever it is, whatever the time period is, is structured. So it, it, it is an interesting balancing act, like you said, Jeremy, because yes you want to have the structured time and i know a lot of artists that are like i only write during my writing sessions Mm. i'm not a big fan of that i think writing sessions are great to practice reps especially within the context that you're saying hey i want to get 300 songs out there they got to come sometime so it's Mm -hmm. good it's a good idea but i think some of the best things that and i'm curious again on your thoughts on kind of when you're writing and stuff one of the best things we've done as we've matured as artists is we're not afraid to be like Cool. I'm feeling kind of, you know, I'm, uh, let's, let's come back and attack this guy later. Mm. And we've done two, three verses on a song. We're getting into a great rhythm. We're spending 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half on, on kind of just working on this one. We got the riff. We're doing our whole thing. Not feeling that obligation to, I have to now finish this song now because I feel that myself at least, and maybe I'm out in left field, but I've always felt if I don't, if I don't know when to pull back, it's no longer organic. Now I'm kind of forcing it and and it's not just that maybe that third verse or maybe that bridge is a little forced because I wanted to finish the song more than I wanted it to organically just kind of flow through me. Maybe take a break, come back the next day. It's going to be 10 times better because it was it was not forced, right? Yeah, fully fully agree with you. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> like songs don't, 
sometimes they all just happen at once and that's it's amazing when it happens because mm-hmm. you, you like better write it down if it if it happens that way mm-hmm. but more often than not i mean you have an idea for a line while you're sitting in traffic waiting for you know whatever or you have you know an idea for a lick that pops in your head when you're trying to go to sleep at two in the morning like you know songs don't all just come to you whenever you want right yeah. and, and and that's kind of part of the artist life is if you want to pursue that art it happens whenever it wants to whenever it's ready right absolutely and, and if you're on it and you're an artist who can handle that and, and grab the inspiration when it comes to you and you have the option to bounce out of bed and go write something then mm-hmm. you should I do think, it oh definitely. yeah yeah i think For like sure. we we have this amazing ability as artists to be able to do that uh you know whether you're a painter or a writer or a you know a novelist or, or illustrator anything um you have inspiration pockets that hit you once. In a while. Oh yeah. And it's never on your own schedule. I mean, sometimes it is. And if it is, it's awesome. That's even better, but it's better to be practiced and know how to like have that balance in place so that when it happens, you're ready for it. Exactly. And my dad's going to love this episode. Like this cool. is almost like that. <laughs> exactly. dedicated to you yeah. pops because this is his whole thing. He's like, you know what? You only, his, theory i don't know if i agree with this per se but he's like you only get a certain window when the universe picks you and yeah. you have to capitalize so if the universe is giving you songs you listen and you you take full advantage of it and i'm like okay i, I appreciate that i mean yeah i think paul mccartney's still making some good tunes and <laughs> yeah i mean but yeah he's, he's like when at the elite level when you're really at the top of the top of your game don't don't like don't dismiss those if you're waking up man we've had situations with songs where you've literally had something you're like i can't get this out of my head that's in your head for a reason Mm -hmm. i've woken up in the morning i'm like dude i had a dream last night that i was literally at like some coffee house and they were doing open mic night and some homeless guy was invited in to have you know a coffee and warm up and he ended up playing this incredible song and i'm like whoa that song's amazing like yeah you can have it give it to loops i'm like cool i woke up in the morning being like like literally that's a story and i'm like that's cool uh okay and i'm like is this a real song or did i just steal it from the homeless guy in the dream (laughs) (laughs) whatever it's a loop song now yeah (laughs) but i mean yeah you gotta you gotta fine-tune that and 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 i think listen to that instinct but on the flip side i think it is really important to not force force it too much not to and, and that's a balancing act we talked about about that feeling of we're all like scared we don't, i don't want to be lazy so am i being lazy because i've only be, i've only done two of the you know verses and i feel there's more to this song still or the song's only two minutes long not being lazy by stopping yeah if anything you're you're fine-tuning that song and going to make it the best version of itself later so yeah for anyone i mean part of what we want to do though we're not like we're the teachers but we want to help out anyone that's in the same position or maybe they're developing as a writer and this is some good advice that might help them out absolutely so that pretty much sums up kevin's pick break my heart oh yeah but we got to get we got to get moving on to the next one here which is your song that you're picking here jeremy which is i believe it is off of is it a single it was. It was a single, and it was the title track of my third album. It's called "You Know What I Mean." I like it, and uh, yeah, it's. Um, I guess we'll listen to it, and then I'll cool. break it down. Yeah, I love it. Let's do it. Take one. Say is a beautiful 
never start Knowing all I say it is a valiant tie Not to offend and not to insult To think like a child and speak like a child To believe what I'm told and to do what I say To observe how I act and know that it's okay When I'm told what they think or they're not One time from a time that we nearly forgot I like the vibe of it, man. I love it, man. That's yeah. Like I said, that was my uh, that was my choice too. Yeah, and uh, so by all means, <laughs> that was your first choice. Yeah, break my heart. Awesome, but this was the choice that I I had as as uh, as my choice. So nice. Tell us, man. Give us give us the goods on on. Yeah. Why did you, you pick the I mean? song this week? Yeah. Uh, I like the vibe too. I I think it's it's dancing and fun. It's super fun to play it live. I mean, I I have uh, my drummer Sandro gets so creative, you know, and he has all these bells and whistles, and and it's it's kind of an open enough groove. It's got that sort of boots and like slow boots and cats vibe, and there's lots of room in there for little fills and and, and bells and whistles and little noises and guitar stuff. Um, I wrote the song. It's it's kind of my commentary on. Like the, you know, early 2019, I guess, is kind of when I was writing it. Uh, the challenge that is trying to communicate what you feel without offending people or, you know, hurting someone's feelings or coming across like you're being, you know, unreasonable or, you, mm, you know, unwilling to. Delicate balancing act yeah, now in this modern day. Definitely. And I, I grew up in like a fairly conservative Christian family. And I mean, I've learned a lot about what I believe about the universe and, and, and where we are, uh, and not all of it agrees with the upbringing that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think part of that came from always trying to figure out a way to communicate what you want to say without having to, you know, deal with all these social implications, you know, or people thinking you're weird or think, you know, right. you're not in control of your emotions and that's why you're, you know, talking about the sad stuff all the time or whatever. And like, yeah. I don't know, I think like a lot of that uh, you know, if I, I tried to live for a while being sort of like a manically happy person all the time, you know, like, and, and I, I, learning the, the, the danger of toxic positivity, um, because it's it's unrealistic, really, yeah. at the end. and it's 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 good to be positive. It's the important. intentions are good. Yes. You mean well. You're Definitely. like, hey, I just want to put a positive spin on everything. But yeah, it's, but is it healthy? Exactly. And and I think like this song was kind of trying to get into that point uh talking about like you know if you boil your life philosophy down to a few sentences you know uh it's easier to communicate who you are than if you have to you know if somebody asks if, if an alien showed up and said tell me about john fennel you know what would you say right how, how right. would you how would you boil that down to somebody in a matter of time right and like uh to me, that song kind of, it talks about that. Like it's, it's a dangerous balancing act, especially as an artist. Like I've been in trouble for goofy stuff. I've said on the mic on stage, like, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to be rude or inconsiderate, but you know, if I, you know, I've, I've put people on the spot in, in ways that didn't, they didn't appreciate it. Right. Yeah. It hurt their feelings or whatever. And like, and, and learning kind of that balance for, you know, you don't have to compromise what you believe you don't have to you know change your opinions based on who you're talking to but it's important to be able to figure out a way to communicate 
what you want. And a lot of the time, at the end of the day, you just say, well, you know what I mean, right? You, yeah. know, you know what I'm talking nice. about, right? You nice. get it, right? And that, and that, to me, that's what the song is all about. Um, and it's dancey and it's fun and, you know, it's, it's fun to play live. Uh, and it kind of matches sort of the vibe that, was, that I had going into the early start of the pandemic, right? The, you know, the way that everything's so weighted politically, right? Everything you say and like, as an artist too, I mean, I don't know, you know, I'm sure you guys have dealt with it too. Like there's people that believe that because you have the stage every Friday night or whatever, that you will go to bat for their social issues as well. Right. Because you're their friend and you know, and now you should be sharing your platform, you know, and if you're not, then you're not a good enough person or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and to me, the second verse, I talk about that. Like I love my wife. I love my guitar, love my truck, but I don't like her car. You know, these kinds of things. Uh, it has to be simple because anything more gets too complicated. It all, it all gets convoluted. And if you have to take an hour to explain your stance on something, I mean, good that you have an hour worth of material to, to talk about, yeah. but you're not changing anybody's mind. You have to have your identity boiled down to something that you can choose to do every day. And, uh, that was my intention with that song is just to sort of try to put that into words and into a way that you get that feeling that comes across when you say, man, I, don't know what else to say like i hope they get it you know you know what i mean a hundred percent yeah i think that that's very cool i think that that's yeah a lot more detailed than i thought even <laughs> listening to the song but i mean that's that's why we're asking right definitely, that's definitely. that's why we want to know because i don't know what you mean yeah. right just just yeah. just off the title exactly. right or something like yeah. that or just listening to the first first 30 seconds so be sure that if you're listening uh, to the podcast or watching the podcast or whatever you go give Jeremy a follow on Spotify or wherever you can find his music. I'm sure that it's on iTunes, yep. Apple music, Apple music, Amazon, yeah. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. You, Everywhere. you play, Tidal. <laughs> you play as I call it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, be sure to go and give him a follow on all of those streaming services. Be sure to go and listen to all those songs as well. As always on our, on our links, we're going to make sure we put all three songs mm-hmm. um, and on our Instagram and Facebook posts as well on our socials. We're also going to put um, Jeremy's actual uh, Instagram and Facebook pages. Yeah. So go give him a follow. Do it for us. Um, if you follow, as I always say, but uh, it's more intimate now because our buddy's right here. If uh, you do follow him or you like you know, any of his stuff, shoot him a message say hi um you know let him know hey loop sent me i heard the podcast yeah i hope we gain some new fans that are and especially with you it's such a good natural smooth crossover definitely um i don't know if uh, this is my this is probably the most smoothest uh, transition to ask this question but there i i mention a lot of the inspirations that inspire us and and the song and songwriters and musicians that kind of help mold who kevin roy is as an artist and john fennel as an artist and loops together one i always talk about all the time is justin azuka have you heard of justin azuka yes yeah he's so awesome man and so many people have it of course course he has has. people (laughs) when i hear your music i feel justin azuka in it um like inspirations or tinges of it, the same kind of vibe. Um, with that song, I heard John Mayer. Like Lots I feel John so one, yeah. much John Mayer in that song. Yeah. And I mean that as the ultimate praise. Like Absolutely. he is so wicked, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I hear that stuff and it's like that to me, those are the kind of bridges. So you're, you lean more heavier into like kind of the bluesy kind of funk, kind of that vibe while still having the same sentimentalities that Loops has. And I was saying even off um, off recording, you know, kind of like that sister kind of vibe of, of, of lanes that we're both in. And um, and with with us, like we kind of lean more into the drawn back, the the slower kind of melodic piano, kind of acoustic, like the Ed Sheeran, you know, Adele kind Lewis of with that Capaldi. kind of stuff. Yeah, Lewis Capaldi stuff. But John Legend. 
they're both very they're they're so right like it's like having brothers in the same family right like you have the same genes but you're your own unique people yeah. um so it's no surprise to me that yeah justin is i mean, wanted to ask the whole episode anyways i'm like <laughs> we've like, never brought it up do, organically how but do like, i bring this up how right do i bring now? up my guy justin azuka i've talked so many I times about how, shout him out again maybe one day he'll respond to i hope messages. he responds <laughs> holly inspired the, the the artwork of our album um the feel um it's one of my all-time favorite albums and yeah, I feel Justin Azuka kind of flowing a little bit through your your work and and definitely John Mayer, which yeah, mm-hmm. that's his next level. So um yeah. Thank you. It's a, I, I appreciate when people read into the the work that I've put out, you know, and I, it it makes me feel nice that like, you know, you take time to objectively listen to it, right? And like, you know, the best you can hope for a lot of times on streaming services is that you can wind up on somebody's kitchen cleaning playlist or whatever. Yeah. And like and honestly, that's an honor because the music that you put on when you're doing your daily life is important to, you know, who you are. Um, John Mayer, I, I, he's my hero for sure. He, yeah. He's got such a way of writing songs. Like, I don't know how he does his lyrics and, and the way he can match a vibe with his guitar and his vocals and like yeah. everything. It's just, yeah. it just is, it, it just clicks right into your soul, you know? Absolutely. And he's so good, but he's, he's not flashy all the time, which I like, I admire no. that, you know, he, he does what he has to, to, to serve the song. And I, I yeah. really admire that in an artist. Well, if I can give, I mean, this is the, this is a morphing into the Jeremy Nisha praise episode. But <laughs> we told you we blushed by the end. Oh, of the you're going to blush. Yeah, this yeah, is, this is my blush comment right here. If I can give you the best praise I could possibly lay on you as an artist. And I'm saying to this, just objectively one artist to another that both put tons of time in, um, not as a friend, but just straight up as an artist. I get the feel of John Mayer, but you're not trying to be John Mayer. Like you're being Jeremy Nisha and I don't hear John Mayer when I hear that song. I get the feel of John Mayer, your voice. You're not trying to be him. And I'm telling you that being very, very vulnerable that Kevin Roy took a lot of years, years trying not trying to get past that point evolving and finding Kevin Roy's voice, Mm. not trying to be Justin Timberlake because it was so effortless for me to sing like him at karaoke and stuff and not trying to be Ed Sheeran and trying to get the feel and the inspiration from Ed Sheeran, um, who we have no qualms admitting is like a big inspiration for the two of us and our band. And it's clear when you hear our music, it's like, yeah, they're kind of Ed Sheeran kind of vibe, but still sounding like loops. And you, you've, you've caught that. You've caught that lightning in a bottle. You are you. And yeah, man, I couldn't give better praise to anyone that I can, I can say that, that like you've, you've become your own version with the inspiration of John Mayer. It's like Kobe Bryant became Kobe eventually. He stopped being trying to be Michael Jordan and he became Kobe. You're the Kobe to John Mayer being Michael Jordan. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Oh my God. I know. (laughs) Trust me. That's a big deal for me to mention Kobe and Mike. Definitely. No kidding. Yes. Oh, I got it. I see a little tinge of red. (laughs) I see some red. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I think that that kind of ties into our next segment, which as we normally do is our top fives. It's going to be running long today. So... I don't think anyone you'll, minds. You'll, yeah. you'll know because it'll be like an hour and a half or something like that yeah. when you see the episode length. Um, but yeah, this week on our top fives, we're going to be talking about music performances that we've either seen in person, seen on YouTube, seen in movies. So I asked Jeremy to come up with the list. I asked Kev to come up yes. with the list because that's... that's so everybody's clear. Just so we're all on the same page, you're, you're good. You understand the context of it. I got mine. I yeah. even wrote mine down on a Beauty. paper. You don't have to have been there, yeah. um, but if but it's something that you've witnessed clearly because it's not something you heard about and you never watched the video, like even if it's on YouTube or whatever, but top five that just your favorite. It doesn't have to be the best ever, but it's your favorite. It yeah. really stuck with you. Yeah. So I think that I'll start off 
the top five this Sweet. week, and then I'll ask Kevin, then Jeremy will finish us off here. Cool. Um, but I'm as as we always do, it's in no particular order, yes. so don't feel obligated to say this is my number one, number two, number three, number four, number You five. might have one. You might have and a, if that a is the in, case. Cool. I have a number one, but yeah. I have a number See, one too. That's the thing. It's like you yeah. people might have like a specific number one that, that might resonate with them. For one me, day, I, one I day we'll all have one day we will have a, a topic that it's is one, two, three, four, five. But yeah. usually it's like a one or two, and then it's kind of fluid after that. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, for, for my list here for the top five, I don't have anything in any particular order. Um, but I'm and I've got a couple different ones where it's specifically like songs that I've seen and then a couple like overall performances. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to see like if we're gonna cross over into anybody else's uh top fives here. I have I have a, a specific song in mind, like a one song in a performance that was like whoa. Cool. And then I have some I think I have four four performances. Nice. Cool. So I'm going to start it off with um, the first band that I ever saw live, which was Daughtry. What? The band Daughtry was the very first yeah, performance that I ever saw live. I saw with my mom. It was just the two of us. Nice. And I think I was like 10 or 11 when I went and saw that performance. Nice. Mid to late 2000s is I think when it was. And they were huge back it was, then too. Oh, dude. Was oh like, yeah. Yeah. I remember because I, I've mentioned it to you before. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but no, we've never. Chris we Daughtry played in the air tonight acoustically on guitar just him and was it ever cool it was yeah. probably like one of the coolest i didn't like, ask you though even when yeah. we talked, have you ever found a version of that that oh, you could watch even no. so it's like my dad's story yeah. with with um uh, listeners Imagine. will remember this my dad uh, having freddie mercury um the night that john the night after john Len uh, john lennon got assassinated Freddie was super close with John and they played two nights back to back at Wembley Arena in England. And my dad and my mom, I was a newborn baby. This is like this so is, crazy. Yeah, December 9th, um, 1980. And my dad and mom were at Wembley Arena and Freddie played Imagine. But that there's, I was able to find one bootleg version yeah. of that and made it as a gift for my dad. I'm like, here, I found a copy of this like horribly audioed, <laughs> but it's Freddie singing Imagine. And yeah. I would love it if it has to exist somewhere. There has to, we got to find I'm this, sure. man. Yeah. So if we it, find it, we'll update the pod. So that that entire performance is in my my top five because I think that it's a super, super cool one. Sentimental to me, of course. Um, the next one on my list here is <laughs> our guy, Ed. Ed Sheeran. Nice. Um, him playing specifically Bloodstream at Glastonbury in 2017. It was a video that I found on YouTube. It used to pump me up before like either songwriting or going out and playing a show or going to an open mic or something you like that. That was me like before we went to a show. One oh, time. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. But this. it's just like, that was the one that like gave me fire, gave me energy. It's just like, of like, it's one of my favorite songs of Ed Sheeran is, um, that went bloodstream and that's by far the best version that I've ever found. There's so many cool versions because he's so raw, right? Just like us and uses the loop pedal. And like, it's cool watching him mess up because you can see that he's like a real, yeah, musician. He's feels that much dude, more raw, yeah. right? Exactly. But like watching him switch out a guitar mid song is so cool, which I'm pretty sure happens in this one. Um, him literally tuning in the middle of a song is super cool as well. So anyway, um, that's my top five. Another one in my top five is John Mayer. Nice, nice. Ooh. Uh, slow dancing, slow dancing in a burning room is my favorite song. Nice. It's one of the reasons why I started playing guitar in the first place. Wasn't necessarily that song but john mayer like my mom loves john mayer and i learned the song comfortable by john mayer really? it was that's, that's one of the first ones that i ever actually learned that's not an easy one either it's not an easy one but i remember i learned how to play that song and then she's like 
that was cool. And I remember her tearing up and like crying in the kitchen when I first like played that for her. And I, <laughs> I don't normally tell people that, but I guess I will to everybody who's listening to this podcast. Um, but this, this song, slow dancing, slow dancing in a burning room, 2018 ish, um, out at Rio super cool version of it you can just feel yeah. the emotion of this song look it up is it's on the, youtube is that the one where he puts the guitar on the ground and he's playing it behind because um, he's wearing a white shirt with glasses right and suspenders that real show or is that a different maybe you're whoa. gonna know more than i do <laughs> yeah, like, fact check i just <laughs> went into my history here and then <laughs> picked awesome. my favorites <laughs> you're like now i want to watch that performance I, I forget if it was that one or gravity but he does that yeah and during oh, solo he puts it on the oh ground i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah, yeah all yeah. this fire um it wasn't that one because i feel like i remember that it was a very like black oh, okay. like blacked out room kind of thing oh maybe it was but 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 no no that carry on yeah no no the one that i was talking about is like an actual either like festival or something like that or just one of his concerts i just remember like it's red his song like it's is, like a red vibe yeah that was real yeah. was that was that yeah Woo! exactly so that's uh yeah i that's a, that song is always a winner any anytime of course. He it, for sure yeah but i just remember like watching that one it's up there with like that ed sheeran one where i would just watch that and that would inspire me to either write Absolutely, or to do something dude. i'm just like i can't just listen to that and then not do anything yeah. right it yeah. just like pumps you up yeah. um next on the list is actually the last two on my list here are two historical um pieces which one is freddie mercury ah! my wow. <laughs> 1985 i mean it's so iconic such an iconic performance kev's gonna probably go on that i'm sure it's on his top five um so he knows I'll me it, too well <laughs> i'll let him chat about that, that more because in. i don't want to pretend that i know more than kev does about that kind of stuff um and then the last one on my list is Jimi hendrix yeah woodstock yeah. oh my Ooh, god yeah. when yeah. he played the star spangled banner amazing very yeah. cool i think that that's probably up there with one of just like the coolest i think it's like culturally such a big thing yeah. and obviously like none of us are american but that's such a big stance that that he took mm -hmm. just to just to play that the way that he did yeah right which especially back then absolutely oh, man. place back then yeah vietnam absolutely war and vietnam like, war yeah. yeah my dad saw bb king open for Jimi hendrix oh yeah that's in seattle yeah in the 70s yeah oh. yeah he was in college wow him and his buddies all got in there you know what i loved about wagon and drove down there what i loved about jimmy is that he was just unapologetically hendrix like he did not care. He wasn't yeah. following by any rules, had no training in guitar, played the guitar strung upside down, or right? he played a yep. right-handed guitar that mm -hmm. was that was just he just he was strung it backwards. Yeah. And he just he that's the perfect example though, is yes, because he was left-handed and he was dirt poor, and that's literally he had a right-handed guitar and that he had to make it work. He's a veteran as well. Came right back, yeah back from the war. exactly but the fact yeah, that yeah. he never changed it and just didn't when he was a megastar didn't just go get left-handed guitars made for him and he just kept playing it the way he wanted to play it and that he was comfortable with and he was used to like i just to me it just speaks to everything about him eric, right? Cl eric clapton once gifted him a left-handed guitar and he kept it in a case because he what i did not know that that is yeah. the coolest yeah. thing dude yeah oh the what that maybe the two we were talking about john mayer who i think is criminally underrated by the casual like every musician gets how amazing he is on guitar yeah, yeah. um but i don't i don't think he gets enough praise by the mainstream public for just being because he's because he's john mayer and he's dated a kajillion smoke show you know hollywood you know yeah. starlets and he writes ballads and love songs yeah jake's like oh <laughs> yeah dad but he's he's dated a million you know and and he's and he's being in the mainstream eye and he makes some soft music love songs and stuff so i don't think he's gotten the the rep that he deserves 
for how incredible he is a guitarist. Um, I think Clapton, it's so, I did not know that story, man. I'm blown away by this yeah. now. It's distracting me. Even. I'm like, oh my God. Clapton Plus, and Hendrix, yeah. two of the, the greatest guitarists yeah. ever. Yeah. Easily. You could, most lists might have them two of the top three, if not yeah. one and two. Yeah. Like they were just the goats. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. So that, yeah, that's my top five. I'm super stoked yeah. about yeah. it. I, yeah, it took a long time, but I mean, like talking about it now and even after I wrote the list, I'm like, there's so many different things like SNL performances. Like I was thinking even Justin Bieber, you know, like that even like his, performance, even that Holy performance, moly. you know, like I think that there's like a couple different ones that, you know, are super symbolic as well. But I, yeah. Yeah, well, for I mean, sentimental reasons and the reasons why. Hey, man, honorable mentions. It. We said we can throw those in there too. So mm-hmm. that's cool. You said that about the Bieber one because um, we always poke fun at ourselves if we do a couple Bieber songs throughout our sets. Yeah. And but everyone, by the way, universally, I've yet to have everyone be like, ugh, roll their eyes. Everyone's just like, yeah. And they laugh because I yeah. think we make it comfortable. We're like, yeah, we're not even going to say his name, but uh, Bustin' <laughs> you know Bieber. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but. That song, like I'm, I'm an SNL borderline historian, as my closest friends know. I've loved it since day one, since I was a kid. Mike Myers era and stuff growing up with those mm-hmm. guys and uh, Adam Sandler and all them. And I have like history books on it and everything. That to me, that performance, I love that that's an honorable mention because that yeah. was my favorite SNL music performance. Even above Nirvana playing on, on SNL, like there's some legendary performances, but yeah. that, that Bieber one of Lonely, it was so vulnerable. It was exactly what we've been talking about with music. It's exactly what you aim for as an artist. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, even Jeremy, I would watch that Justin Bieber singing Lonely last yeah. year or 20, 2020. 2020. It was in like November. Or something yeah, it was like right that. on Christmas because we did a cover of it, I think on our 24 Days mm-hmm. Advent Calendar. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, watch that performance. It was so, and if anyone listening is, hasn't watched it, watch it. It's an amazing three minutes. You'll be moved. You'll probably have a lot more respect for him. Mm-hmm. Benny Blanco, like it was yeah. amazing. Cool. Cool, dude. I want to hear your top fives before we All right. move on to Jeremy's there. Let me move on to Jeremy's. Okay. So my top fives, my number one favorite performance of all time, music history that I've watched. Um, I think it's also the number one performance in music history. It, it's both. It covers two lists and it is uh, Freddie and Queen at Live Aid. Yeah. I think it's the greatest set that's ever been performed in music history. I on, And I know that's a bold statement, but yeah. Just the emotion, the energy it captured. <clears throat> if you've watched Bohemian Rhapsody, they kind of hit on how important that set was for the band. Yeah. The movie kind of fudges it. And like you said, I mean, I know the kind of history of this pretty intimately. The movie fudges it a bit for dramatic purposes. They make it seem like Queen and Freddie were like so splintered and this this song and this performance saved the band. It didn't. Like they were already kind of working on an album as it was. Um, but in real life, it was just, to me the greatest vocalist ever on the on the greatest stage, maybe in music history, billion people watching worldwide. And he had the eyes of the entire world. They were buried. Like they weren't playing, you know, they weren't the, the main act. They weren't playing at the evening. They weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't like, they were competing with like, I don't remember like blues brothers or something like in America, the same, like, cause it was all simulcast. Right. So they, they didn't, they didn't get the slot they deserved. The movie hits on that. Um, and he just stepped up, man. Like I've been in those moments myself, even as a singer and a performer, I know you have too, where in that night, in that show, for whatever reason, you're like, whoa, like I felt like I was like Neo seeing the code in the matrix. Like, I'm sure you've had those moments, Jeremy. And when I watch Freddie, it gives me goosebumps. It inspires me. Cause I'm like, that's a guy in this moment. Like he is, he's Michael Jordan and the net looks massive and he can hit every single shot. And like, it's just, he's feeling it in the moment. And to me, I just, I love greatness. I love people realizing their true potential. That's the greatest 
moment of the greatest singer of all time. So if you haven't watched the whole set, it's worth watching the entire set. It has the, the audience in the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, like he's yeah. got them in the palm of his hands, man. It's I'm getting chills just talking about it. Um, so that's the greatest. Uh, that's to me, that's number one with a bullet. My other four, um, let's see. I'll give two personal ones that were me um, in person. One was the best concert I've ever seen. It was in 2009. I was a new member of the RCMP. I just moved from London. I've told you some of this story, I think, John. But I was moving from London, Ontario to Kamloops. And um, on the way, we stopped in uh, Thunder Bay, me and my buddy Adam. We were driving together. He was keeping me company for the drive. I rented a car and I was uh, moving all my stuff from from London. And we were in Thunder Bay and our buddy, Greg Bejaro, who's now actually a big radio DJ personality down in L.A., and uh, he was working at the Calgary radio station. And we were talking, and we were, it was on a Saturday. We were supposed to be going to his visit him on Sunday night in Calgary, stay for a night, and then get to Kamloops the next day. And we're like, hey, man, we're feeling kind of tired. I think we're going to stop in Thunder Bay tonight. We've already been driving for 12 hours from early in the day um, from Sault Ste. Marie. We're probably going to call it. And he's like, oh, you guys got to be here tomorrow. You can't come here on Monday. And we're like, why? He's like, I got you guys like prime tickets for the Killers concert. I'm interviewing them after. You got to come watch the Killers. And we're like, oh, no. We look at the clock <laughs> and we're like, it's like almost midnight. We got like, we have to be there by eight o'clock. That's, you know, whatever, 20 hours. It's it's basically like a 16 hour drive to get from there to Calgary. We're like, we're not gonna be able to stop. And he's like, get here, just get here. So we're like, okay. So we just drove straight through and we stopped for an hour and a half just outside of Winnipeg. We asked a Super 8 if we could stop and uh and and it's just rest i showed up my badge i'm like hey man i'm a cop can i can i sleep in your parking lot for an hour and a half i gotta get to this killers concert in calgary and the guy's like sure enjoy the show so we slept for an hour and a half kept driving drove 30 and a half out of 32 hours uh, just me driving the entire time mm-hmm. all to get to the killers concert i've never been more tired in my life and i've never been more energized in my life and it was like it was the greatest show ever and maybe the show was like a five out of ten but for me it was a ten out of ten because i was like this is amazing it's the killers lots of energy and sleep deprived sleep deprived <laughs> and the whole thing made sure, that lots I'll of never, involved oh yeah oh, it was the only thing keeping me alive at that point yeah and um i was more energy drinks than man at that stage yeah, for sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah so that 2009 calgary killers it was just legendary status in my mind. Um, the next is a show um, that was inspired a lot of our stage presence. I've talked about it numerous times on the show. I talk about it most shows. John, you could probably guess what the next one is, I'm guessing. Matt Good. Matt Good in uh, London, Ontario. Uh, Centennial Hall. Greg Beharrell again. Actually, another shout out to Greg. Um, Greg got me, uh, me and him tickets to go see this intimate stripped down Matthew Good Remember Matthew Goodband? Yes. Hello, time bomb. They were awesome. And uh, so Matt Good just did stripped down acoustic guitar. It was like an hour and a half long show, two hours. And he, no exaggeration, spent just as long talking between each song as the actual performances themselves. Wow. I just felt like when I walked away from that show, I knew who this guy was as a person, as a man, his warts and all. Like I just felt so connected with him beyond his music. And it made me appreciate his music 10,000 times more than I already liked him going in. And that, that never shook that. Like that inspired me to this mm-hmm. day. If you watch any loop show in person and you really like what we do and it's a little bit different, that's why it's all thanks to that one performance. I'll never forget that one. Um, and the next two are, Goat status, legendary status, all-time shows that I watched on a TV screen, yep. both of them. One um, was after the fact. Um, I wish I could say I remember watching it in time, but I was a baby. But it was it's so legendary that it shaped me 
as I was growing up in my like formative years of music, I was like, man, that's magic. Like I want to do that one day. And that was Michael Jackson, the Motown 25th anniversary special, <laughs> Billie Jean. Mm-hmm. I said I had one on there that was just a, a one single song performance. It's yeah. him doing Billie Jean. Um, I'm sure you guys are both familiar. Yeah. It's the birth of the moonwalk. Yeah. yeah. That was iconic. That was iconic. Revolutionary. Yeah. And when, the first moonwalk performance. When you course, watch yeah. it, people are like, ah! like they're like, what is happening? Like, mm-hmm. it's like a magic trick. Like yeah. he does it yeah. once just so casually. And then he does it again later. And it was like, he was magic. He was like, he was larger than life. He was just gliding on the stage. And yeah. it just, it was a move that was like the Harlem shuffle. And it was like this move down like beatboxers and, and break dancers and stuff in New York and Harlem. They did it for years. Mike just learned it from like, you know, someone when he was on tour but then him to put it on that stage. And it was the Motown 25th anniversary special, like a hundred million people watched that. For him to step up in that moment, it was like, I'm a man, I'm no longer like the kid that was in Jackson 5. I'm not Michael Jackson off the wall, like I'm the biggest star on the planet. So I love when greatness steps up in big moments and that was the ultimate definition of that. And my last one is another Michael Jackson, um, which I do remember watching because I was just a kid, but I was like Sebastian's age and it was the 1991 Super Bowl. Michael played the, the halftime performance. It changed them forever. Nowadays, like it, coming up this weekend, uh, by the time someone listens to this, Super Bowl will already be finished. And it's got Dr. Dre, it's got Eminem. The Super Bowl halftime is as big now and as popular as the the show, the actual game itself, I would hazard to say. It all started in 1991. Pre-1991, um, I posted it on Facebook recently, even a few years back, um, and it was a memory and I reshared it. And it was the New Kids on the Block, which was the biggest act in the world in like the late 80s, in 1990. They ended up um, doing the halftime show and they got upstaged by Mickey Mouse singing It's a Small World After All. They sang like half of one song, they did step by step and they did half of another song and then it's just Mickey Mouse comes in. Like that's what it used to be. Yeah. That would never happen today. Like the stars get to do a whole big thing. Beyonce brings out Destiny's Child. Like it's there, it's a big show. Yeah. And it all started with Michael and he had these holograms which were and lookalikes that were like in each corner. I don't know if either of you guys have seen this, but each corner of the stadium, Michael was there and I was like, oh, Michael's in that corner. Oh my God, he's up there, he's yeah. up there. And then he just pops up on the stage and did this whole medley. And I never forgot that. It was like, wow, like cool. that is so, so cool. That's yeah, awesome. Those are my top five. There we go, I like it. Yeah, man. Jeremy. All right, Jeremy. Yeah, there's something powerful about a good live performance. You right? Know? And, and, there, and there's so many things about live performance that you can like. There's, you know, the, the, the showmanship, the quality of... You know, the musical entertainment uh, and then, you know, the aspects of choreography and lights and pyrotechnics. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and holograms like Michael Jackson. That obviously mm-hmm. in the 90s, that was like brand new technology. And oh, like, yeah. You know, I love artists that will push the envelope for what entertainment can be, you know, and, and speaking of halftime, I, I really appreciated The Weeknd who did the last oh, last yeah. halftime so last year. It was incredible. I was like, man, there was like 300 people or something dancing mm-hmm. in his in his thing and like. That's a performance, right? That's oh, like, yeah. that's like a world world class. Um, my five are kind of a little bit more based on yeah, like me seeing something in the show that I wanted to try to do. Absolutely, know, or yeah, try to cool. Learn, learn how to do or try Perfect. to be inspired by. My first one, uh, I'm a big bluegrass fan. I'm in a bluegrass band with my dad. He plays a banjo and I play the dobro and nice, nice. sing harmonies and, you know, super, you know, down south kind of. You know. I didn't even know you played it. We got to link you up with Doug Cox, our producer, because he's like one of the top dobro players in the world. Like, no kidding. Eh? Oh, no yeah. lie. Like, what was, did he say it was Texas or yeah, I think it was Texas? In, yeah, like Austin. Yeah. And yeah. it's what, Willie Nelson is number one on the dobro call out list and he's number two. 
like yeah, well, yeah. yeah so like we'll, we'll we'll off off air we'll link you up and kind of try to connect you with him he's cool. mm-hmm. i did not know that sorry didn't yeah. mean to interrupt but that just caught me off guard no, like, oh my god go bro that's amazing <laughs> definitely definitely um yeah bluegrass is such an interesting genre and it's it's all acoustic instruments so you just walk in wherever you go and you're mixed off the floor right yep. there's no amplification the best bluegrass show I've ever seen was Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder. They were playing Roots and Blues Festival in 2016. Um, and it just blew my mind what you can do and how fast these people can play their instruments. And like every single note, crisp, but like yeah, like that yeah, fast, right? Yeah, like right. all the time. And like they wouldn't take a stop and they you know, t- take their breath and they, like the end of the song, they're all just panting and wiping their faces off and whatever. And because they're just giving it everything they have. And Ricky Skaggs, I mean, he's been in the in the scene since he was a child. Like he went on stage with Bill Monroe in the Grand Ole Opry when he was seven or eight or something. Yeah. Um, mandolin player, just world class musicians. And like and from a genre that you wouldn't expect. Right. Bluegrass, you know, you think of moonshine and having a big gray beard and, you know, sitting out near. And, and these guys like it was incredible to watch every single member of that band inspired me to want to be a better acoustic player nice. like cool. like the acoustic guitar player it was incredible uh my second one was at a at a festival called element which is just outside of princeton uh down in the southern part of bc uh and there's a band called the string cheese theory and uh they're like this funkadelic trance dance sort of group um very grateful dead-esque and they were playing with uh a bass player named Oteil Burbridge, who right now plays bass for The Dead and Friends, which is the Grateful Dead reincarnation with John Mayer and, yeah. and the other gang. Um, and I was a little bit under the influence, I'll admit. Like, uh, But I was watching the show, and they just played for like three hours straight. It was just throbby dance music, like, nice. you know, shake your, shake your hindquarters, you know, as, as, <laughs> as hard as you can. And, uh, and these guys, and, and, and there was these women that would walk around on stilts, and they had these like neon light up angel wings, and they would like float around the mosh pit, and Ooh. you would just watch them, and cool. you're just like, just stuck in this groove, man. And you, and it, hours would go by, and yeah. you didn't even yeah. know, right? Hundreds of thousands of steps, I'm sure, over that weekend. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and I decided that I wanted to be, a bass player in a dance band like that. Yeah. Like that's what I want to do. I want to be the guy who's just like pumping out that yeah, like yeah, yeah. just dance music all night long. Right. Um, changed my outlook on what jam bands could be. Cause yeah. you know, I never under, never appreciated them properly. You until. didn't know the power that you could have to elicit that kind of reaction out of people though. Right. Definitely. Like, definitely. Yeah. I could control these people into like almost like a trance like state. <laughs> well, and, and string cheese theory is famous because they, you know, they're similar to the grateful dead. People will follow them around to their different festival stops. And so because the Princeton shows just above the border, like you come up through uh, Sumas or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah, there was like all these Americans, like probably thousands of Americans there that we would we we're hanging out with, and like you know they all had all these bluegrass jams out in the campsites afterwards and stuff, and yeah, totally revolutionized my opinion about what festivals mean. Absolutely, and what you know what I what I want to do one day, you know, when I'm when I'm there. <laughs> Uh, my third one is Johnny Cash at San Quentin. Um, that oh, that album, legendary. You know, try to be straight of different pockets. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people appreciate his Folsom Prison album, um, but the famous Folsom Prison Blues recording, like the famous famous one, was actually from San Quentin. Oh, um, and he did uh, Boy Named Sue, and he did all this classic stuff, and and of course, it's these prisoners, right? And his his big idea was that he was going to go and perform for these people that nobody else in society wanted right yeah. in the 60s i mean if you were in prison in the 60s especially in a place like san quentin like they basically forgot about you right? just, yeah yeah and throw away the keys yeah and the energy in there like it's almost scary but like these people are so passionate so just stoked. so excited yeah and and you can't lose I and mean, he comes out there hello i'm johnny cash and yeah. Near, 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 nice. near. yeah that's the song right and that's from that that album 
Um, my second favorite one uh, from 2019 right here in town, Foreigner. Uh, what? When they came cool. to town. Yeah. That's so yeah. fun. I had some friends that went to that and I couldn't make the actual no, show. It was I the missed news that. of the town. Oh, I, I missed was, that show. It was incredible. I heard it was incredible. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. The singer, um, I forget the new singer's name, uh, but he, yeah, like in such good shape, he went running around the whole stadium and oh, like wow. high-fiving people. And stuff. It was obviously before COVID, mm-hmm. um, but so tight and so like... Interesting and and more foreigner songs than I had ever known. I didn't realize all these songs were foreigner yeah, songs, right? Yeah. And uh, and at the end, their last song, they had the Sahali High School um, choir come up and join them on the stage, oh, and wow. they sang. I, I can't remember what song it was, but it was powerful. They, and 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 I think the you know choir class obviously had been practicing and, and knew that it was coming, but nobody yeah. else did, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like this Kamloops high school class singing on stage with Foreigner. Like, cool. in the, it was, man, it was awesome. And I was like, this is cool. Like, that's that's the level that I want to, you know, it's not just Foreigner, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's something special from where you, where you are, right? Absolutely. You're playing a show to where you are. And I, I admire that because you don't have to do that when you're as rich and famous as Foreigner. No. no. You don't have to care who's there. No. But mm-hmm. the fact that they do... Yeah, that's what it's. After all this time, they still appreciate the impact they can have on those people in the audience. Like, imagine the impact that that had on just those kids that were singing in the choir, right? Oh, yeah. Let alone you and the audience watching that, yeah. or their parents. Right? right. Think about all those students' parents oh, who God. grew up with yeah. that learner, right? Oh man, well, that makes me respect them even more. I didn't even know that they did that. My yeah, buddies yeah, no, just had the all. best time and got super drunk and were like, "It was the best show ever." No yeah. one ever told me it's about like, these. Most, <laughs> most of us were pretty trashed by yeah. then. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe it didn't even happen. Everyone just remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just this mass, this mass uh, illusion. Mandela effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always say, like, whenever my band gets ready to go on stage, even if we're playing, you know, wherever, yeah. to a coffee shop somewhere, yeah. I always say, like, this might be the show that re-inspires someone to get back into music. Because you never know who's going to be there. And you never know what they're going to need to hear. And, like, maybe there's only three people watching you. But if those three people are there and they need to hear what you're providing, it's not by accident. Absolutely. And, and, and this might be the gig that, like, suggest to them that you know live music is a possible career right and like that's a that's an important responsibility to have when you play shows right to remember that you know you're you're providing a service to the to the world around you right and and if you can remember to stay grounded and and try to be humble as a part of that process like that's that's what I like. Well, before you get to your number one, I, I want to capture that idea and that thought because I love that. And we I don't know if we've shared this on the podcast yet. We might have, but before every show we always say to each other like two or 20,000 because we want to give the same show, whether there's two people in the audience or 20,000 people in the audience, like the exact same show. And I think that's the key, right? There's a really cool quote. I always remember, and hopefully this inspires some people listening. Um, but, um, Marilyn Monroe was, um, asking Joe DiMaggio why he plays so hard every single game. Cause there's like, you know, 162 games a season back then, 154. And she's like, why do you play so hard every single game? He's like, because I don't know if there's some six-year-old that's watching his very first baseball game with his dad and that this is his first chance ever to see a baseball player. I want him to see me at my absolute best. Yeah. And I, yeah. I always think of that and apply that. To, I applied it when I was a police officer, to be honest. I was always like, hey, I, this might be the person's worst day of their life and they're on their first call ever that they've ever dealt with the police. I want to give them the best possible version mm-hmm. of me on that call. And now as a musician, even more, I, I would love that you have the same mentality because I think it's important. I think sometimes, especially the more successful we are, if we're gigging a lot, 
it's it can become monotonous it can become robotic you've played that same venue a whole bunch of times like there's nothing new and exciting about it we forget that this might be the first time these people ever see us maybe we can win over a new audience member but more importantly than that we don't know what that person's going through maybe they're having a horrible day and their friend just dragged mm-hmm. them out to go to the bar and your performance is something that one day on a podcast they're talking about a performance yeah. they always remembered yeah. it's easy to forget that when you're in the moment you can't see the forest through the tree um, but I, I think it's so cool that, that you have that same insight because I think that's a, it's also a mature thing as an artist to realize like, hey, I got to give my 100% no matter what, whether there's two people or 20,000. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, such a such a beautiful concept. And I think it, it provides a lot of uh, freedom in your performance, too, because, you know, if you're trying to be the best you can be all the time, then it makes it very simple oh, yeah. uh, how to perform. Right. And it makes you know your objective very clear it's not easy but it's clear and that now you have a direction that you're aiming well, you're not just phoning it in you're not just being robotic okay cool i gotta do this 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 and this and this um it's, you know it's, it's more fluid totally no bad shows after covid and that's what i say right <laughs> <laughs> uh number one for me um john mayer anytime john mayer i was waiting for john mayer on this know, right? there's no john mayer what's going on i don't okay, know what i have to, one and yeah. this guy doesn't <laughs> what do you think <laughs> number one um i got to see him in vancouver actually in 2017 and it cool. was 15 years since he had been there the first time he was uh on his continuum tour the first time and he made this joke he was like i don't know if there's anything in my life that i still like 15 from 15 years ago yeah, yeah <laughs> he's yeah. like he was thinking about technology from 15 years ago or cars or yeah. clothes or you know almost anything else and, and we packed that place out it was crazy because it's the first time he's been to canada like well at least bc basically since then, since right? then yeah. he's popped up to toronto i think i'm sure a few yeah times, but but um yeah and we got to see him and uh and it was just like it was beautiful it was his uh search for everything tour um but my all-time favorite performance of his, like that somebody else could go watch and be inspired by, is yeah. from the 2007 "Where the Light Is" tour uh, in Nokia Stadium. Um, and my favorite, like, song from that, the whole, the whole thing's good. He starts out acoustic, and then he comes up with his trio, and then he comes up with his whole band. So he does three sets, nice. uh, and the album's structured like that. Um, but my favorite song is "Gravity." Mm-hmm. On there, same thing, six eight, sort of slow vibe, like my uh, my wasting my time, yeah. sort of same groove tempo, absolutely, and. Uh, it's structured to the point where you can tell that the band's super tight. Like everybody knows their parts and they're snugged up and they're ready for it. Uh, but he also allows himself to just breathe at like the climax of that song. And it like, it just builds and it's a slow, slow build. And eventually it's like, everybody's just balls out, right? Oh, the, yeah. the drummer's just smashing and everybody's going and the crowd's like totally right into it. And, and the best guitar solo I think I've ever heard Ooh. emotionally, mm-hmm. not technically, but emotionally, yeah. it was incredible. And uh, it was from that album and that, that album always inspires me. I always pick up things, little things that I want to do at a gig, you know, even the way he structured, it, structured the gig or what songs to put where, you know, how he slowly gets the band all to come out at different times or whatever. And, and musically, yeah, just incredible, like flawless and exciting and emotional and poignant and like everything that you want from a show. I yeah, I got from that show. So nice. that's, that's my favorite one. That's cool. I mean, there's tons that that you could have picked from. So I'm glad that you picked that one because I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah. Is that is that the um, maybe I'm totally wrong here, but is that the same one where he first plays? free fallen yeah acoustically oh, yeah, he does yeah, yeah. we've even so done that, that in one. our and sets i think like, that I he also that. starts off with uh what's it called but he, it's like totally solo and acoustic it's he starts with neon neon the name, yeah. which is one of like the hardest technically songs to play on guitar i remember yeah. i probably spent like 
three weeks trying to learn it like a year ago or during COVID oh, wow. or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I can't just because like the way that I would do it would be like me ripping him off that I wouldn't want to try and it wouldn't do feel that. authentic. Yeah. Right. It's the same way why I'm worried about playing like a Beatles song. Like I don't want to disrespect yeah. Them, yeah. Right. And then Absolutely. say that like this is our version of it. Right. If it's not up to par with Imagine or something like that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. That's wow. so cool. I was actually, that's funny because I was, as you were saying it, I'm like, John Mayer and Nokia. Like, I'm not the John Mayer fan you guys are. I, I think he's amazing and I totally respect him. But, um, yeah, I was like, why would I, why would I know mm-hmm. that? I'm like, try, and then, yeah, so the light bulb just went off. Yeah. As you said that, that is, that is where that free fallen version would have came from. And I love that version. Yeah. Truthfully, like, I'll even sneak peek, like, we, we are going to be playing after, um, the way our, our set's going to go is Jeremy's going to lead off on the 25th on our album release. He's going to start at 8 o'clock. Doors open at 7, so this is a good time to kind of talk about this. Yep. Um, and Jeremy's going to give us an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Kind of, We'll just go by the flow and we'll have a good time. But when Jeremy's done his set, Loops is we're going to give some time for people to check out Jeremy's merch, kind of relax for a couple seconds, get some drinks. And then Loops, we're going to play our album. Jeremy has it right in front of him here. Um, and we're going to play songs one through 11 in order, give some stories for each song, make it really intimate. It's it's kind of being the goal. And it's probably the only time we're ever going to do that, like we yep. said last episode. After that, we'll take a short break again, but we're going to jam a little bit, the three of us, because we've done it before. We've done it at that local artist showcase we did last year. It'll be a lot of fun. We, we're not guaranteeing that we would be doing that song, but Free Fallen is a perfect one I would love to do with you guys because yeah. it was so cool the way he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely loved it, and I think the three of us would crush that version of that Three-part song. part harmony, man. I'm into that. Woo. It'd be so good. So good. Well, keep that in mind. It's, it's on the short list. It's on the short list. There's no guarantee we'll it's going to be there, but yeah. just give you a tease on the magic you might get. Yeah. Yeah. And Isha. It'll Pe- definitely be behind the curtain. Absolutely. Right? Exactly. It'll be super, super cool, which I think is a cool way to tie into our last segment of the day, which is what's coming up, right? So we're going to talk about kind of what's going on over the next week or so. Jeremy, we want to hear about what you've got going on as well in your life and what you're looking forward to. It it doesn't have to be the next week. You can With us, we go each week, but with you, it's what you got kind of on deck coming up. So Kev, what's going on this week? Um, basically, I'm, uh, we've, I've caught up on my posters. Um, I do, we've, we've actually were able to be contacted ourselves by a gentleman out in Kelowna that has a really cool database, um, EI Kelowna, and he has it for a bunch of different cities. Um, and he wants to kind of help us get a bunch of gigs outside of Kamloops. Um, I want to kind of further that relationship, foster that a little bit. Um, and continue kind of book, looking at different avenues for booking stuff. Um, yeah, the big thing is just really, even though we have um, a gig coming up on Friday, the 18th. The 18th, yeah. Yeah, um, at Match. That's our first time playing Match. Jeremy, you've played Match before. Yes. What would you say about Match? How did you, uh, what were your thoughts on playing the venue? And it seems pretty fun. It seems like a pretty awesome venue to play. And It's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a nice vibe. Yeah. Late night vibe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. That's what we're kind of hoping for. So we're excited about that because we've played Barside a couple times already. Um, and it's been two of our better shows. They've been fantastic. We sold hundreds of dollars of merch, um, and which was just a reflection on the vibe of the crowd. When we're selling lots of merch, if we're ever excited and talking about it, it's not a dollar figure thing as much as it's just... If people are buying merch, that means they're really enjoying your show and they want something to capture that moment and remember it later. So it's the biggest, it's, it's just, it's a nice honor to us. It, you know, it's a, it's a point of pride. So that's, uh, we're hoping to translate that at, uh, at play that match as well. Um, so we got that coming up on Friday. Um, and then, yeah, just prepping for, uh, the whole point of us having Jeremy on this week is so we have lots of time to kind of get this out there, remind everybody that the album release party is coming. 
um, sending out some personal uh, reminders to people that have told me they want let us know when the album release party is coming and I'll get a ticket. Trying to make sure those people are there too, so it's really intimate. Um, and just hyping it up and letting everybody know that this is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even beyond that, I mean, pretty much just touching on what Kev was talking about as well is, you know, we're going to be trying our best in the next couple of weeks to lock down everything with our the tour. Up- upcoming yeah. tour dates. Um, so that's that's going to be one of the biggest things, especially absolutely as the weather is turning and golf is readily ab- available. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, obviously, we're big golfers and working at uh, River Shore when when we aren't doing this. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to be important getting all those things taken care of before we start doing that. Exactly. Yeah, because right? that's going to take. Um, we we were, were pretty candid, both of us. You started there last year. I, I picked up a couple shifts a week. I'll be doing as well when I don't have Sebastian at mm-hmm. River Shore. So we both were like, hey, we're full-time musicians. This is our career. This is our full-time gig. But if we can help supplement the income a little bit by doing something we enjoy, both work at the club that we actually already had memberships to anyway. So shout mm-hmm. out to River Shore. Um, but we are both pretty candid about that that hey in a moment's notice if, if the actual career itself allows us to not have to do that mm-hmm. then we happily will say hey respectfully we'll here's some notice and we are we we don't have the time to do this anymore yeah and that's the goal um everyone there at the actual course is super supportive of that and they get that too so yeah that is yeah. coming i guess <laughs> yeah absolutely oh god so all that being <laughs> gotta said, work <laughs> jeremy what do you got going on man I got a show tonight at Chances, but I guess, uh, yeah, the release date will be a little bit different. Um, I got a bunch of clients in the studio. We're working on, uh, there's a a lady from France uh, who's in doing some French folk music recordings. Uh, She's doing an album with me. Um, Translates the lyrics for me as we're working on super interesting stuff. Cool. Um, Yeah, I'm working on another album of my own, uh, but I mean, every artist says that. So I I, I am, I have it, but it's not ready yet. So I don't have a date or anything, (laughs) Um, but it's coming. Uh, yeah, and lot, lots of shows coming up. I mean, yeah, where the, the casinos, uh, starting to get more private gigs and stuff. I, I do lots more hired gun stuff than I do my own, uh, yeah. like my own Jeremy Nishaw shows, um, which I like and I, I enjoy that too. I mean, things are coming back for full bands again and there's, yeah. there's going to be more options for like big dance bands and parties and house parties. And that which is going to be great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be really fun this summer. I've uh, got a feeling we're just on the verge. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. You got, a, you got like your dual and piano stuff you do with, with Brennan Mitho. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's super fun. Um, yeah. I'm part of another band called the daytime highs and they're like the throbby trance dance band nice. that I was mentioning earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my band, I mean, I've got, you know, incredible players that I am blessed to be able to join me when they can. And, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I'm happy with all the bands I'm in. I'm, nice. I'm content musically. So it's nice. Perfect. Well, we're super glad that you were able to join us not only today, but also for our album release party on the twenty-fifth. Yeah. As we've mentioned tons. <laughs> go and check that out. You can find it on our website. You can go find all that information through the F Yards Collective page. Um get your tickets now, like we said. Um check out Jeremy's music too. He's awesome. Like we wouldn't have him on here just because of the fact that we're doing the show with him that's mm-hmm. that's the the honest truth it's because we're inspired by him um we uh we have we've built a good friendship with him he's just a fantastic artist and we we would if need be we would happily have just done ourselves doing a show um without anybody on the stage the fact that jeremy's there is just because we feel it's an addition to the night and it complements the night more than we're just doing it because we need to have another body up there for an hour we would rather just do a two-hour show and have you know two hours of meet and greets but 
this is a bonus and we felt that our supporters deserve to see Jeremy throughout that night as well too. So please get intimate and get used to his music and, and get an idea on what, uh, what he's going to bring to the table. Um, and we hope, uh, everybody enjoys it as much as we know they're probably going to enjoy it when they see him live on the 25th. Awesome. Thanks again, Jeremy, so much for coming in today. We truly appreciate it. Thank we you. look forward to uh, working with you two weeks. We'll be in touch lots of the round then. Yes, two weeks. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It was a blast, man. Thanks for coming out. And uh, other than that, John, anything else you want to say, buddy? That's pretty much it for today. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in for uh, episode seven. Till next time, keep on keeping on.